0: After the Drug Wars is a report which looks at the direction of international drug policy as we go forward. So we had a conference at the London School of Economics where we invited experts from around the world and really got these participants to discuss and debate these issues and try to evaluate what are the pathways beyond the war on drugs and towards a new international strategy.
1: This, as you will all know, is a watershed time in the evolution of ideas and narratives. In just a few weeks, the United Nations General Assembly special session on drugs will convene.
2: The world confronts many social and economic bads and harms that are interrelated. In reality, we have a circularity. And what happens is that when one tries to eliminate one harm or one bad, I mean, this they eliminate drugs. And it strengthens and generates many other social paths. Just in the last two or three years, the federal government has acknowledged that and has tried to give emphasis to measures that are more directly related to harm and have really stated that their goal is, they don't use this language, but that is in effect, what they're talking about, reducing uh, drug-related mortality, increasing the number of uh, people who are in treatment, uh, and things like that, which are much more appropriate metrics. Drugs are a development issue, and they have so many dimensions uh, connected with everything in our lives. We, we recognize this, we recognize that these connections uh, between drugs and, and drug policy uh, uh, with poverty, with inequality, with health, with human rights, with education, with economic growth, with employment, uh, and many other dimensions of, of development. The drug problem, the war on drugs, the effects of the drug in our society, the price we pay for it, the sacrifices of many Colombians that had to endure what has been uh, an unexpected development in our country. All this has created in Colombia an awareness and a conscience about the impact of drugs in our lives.
1: There are reasons why organized crime markets are sometimes violent and often not violent. Again, merely legalizing without addressing other favors of the state in delivering public services, in delivering um, effective uh, police forces that are capable of deterrence, uh, while in the absence of addressing those deeper structural deficiencies and root causes, merely a legal or illegal uh, nature of the commodity will not address the problems.
2: So think about it that that way, not as prohibition versus legalization, but as moving along a continuum that tries to reduce the unnecessary reliance on the criminal justice system as much as possible, but stopping short at that point at which going any further would present major risks to health and safety. And obviously doing that has all sorts of benefits, fiscal benefits, criminal justice benefits, but for me it's first and foremost a struggle for human rights. And I think that ending the criminalization of drug use and drug possession, I think it's not just good public policy, it's also a human rights imperative.
1: Even though the people who made the laws didn't intend to be discriminatory, it turns out that uh, women and men commit different types of uh, uh, infractions of of drug laws. And so in in the case of Mexico, possession is sanctioned up to seven years and ten months. Well, transport is sanctioned from 10 to 25 years. Uh, So it's a big difference. When women are caught, instead of having a three or four year sentence, they're given 17 year sentences, with all the disruption that this means for their communities and their families.
0: There's also a great interest among policymakers in reducing demand for drugs, because that's often framed as the root of all the problems, and yet demand for drugs is really dealt with as a criminal justice issue in many places rather than as the health issue it should be. And so health has been marginalized from drug policy and it's really important I think to try to uh, reintegrate it as a central element of drug policy. This is again what the Ambassador William Brownfield from the US State Department outlined. It's that you defend the, the integrity of the core of the conventions. That's nothing to do with prohibition and I think the post-war and drugs era is going to rely increasingly on this idea of there is flexibilities, there is contingencies, there is counterfactuals in how these treaties could have been interpreted and implemented and we need to roll back a little bit and see how we can actually change how that's, how that's been done personally I think is the idea that you want to be governing drug policy over the next decade on is this a, a system of cooperative policy pluralism managing the spillovers across borders it's not saying it's a, it's a beggar thy neighbor policy that's not at all what what you're what you're aiming for but a sense of different policies likely work for different areas at different times in different contexts. And in the immediate term, as we develop a greater evidence base around that, that's okay. And you want an international system which recognizes that point while pushing states to ensure that their policies are both based on evidence and based on human rights norms.